0: directed exclusively by women-identified directors and prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is one of my favorite people in the whole world, Ariel. Hi. But that's not all. (laughs) That's right, because we have an incredible guest this week. You guys are in for such a treat, hailing from a Nightmare on Fear Street, Blurdy Massacre, and Dread Central is the brilliant and truly hilarious Sheree Bohannon.
1: Oh my God, thank you. I can't live up to that. Look. <laughs> the yoke. bar has been set. <laughs> right? People are going to be like, oh, it was such a better intro than she deserved. Oh, <laughs> I never. find that impossible to believe. <laughs> seriously though
0: thank you so much for joining us today we are so excited to have you because we are such fans of the work that you put out like day one subscriber to Blurdy massacre delighted when i discovered a nightmare on fear street so this is this is like we're gonna fangirl out a little bit today just so prepare to receive it
1: (laughs) thank you like I I always love that because when we started at Fear Street we did not know what would happen we thought we were just gonna Mm -hmm. be two drunk kids on the internet and so to find like a community and find like other people who are also doing cool stuff it's been a whirlwind and like we're just spoiled now I don't think I can stop podcasting because it's like all my friends are podcasters now (laughs)
0: yeah Yeah, it is a little bit like Fight Club except for you do talk about it constantly (laughs) 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 so let's start with some plugs because obviously we're super fans but if there's anybody out there who are not familiar with some of your work can you tell our listeners about your various gigs
1: (laughs) um so I am a writer primarily playwright um I'm also trying to like tap into tv so that's been fun learning how to do that properly as opposed to sort of making it up in my like theater program where I was bitter Um, (laughs) And I also write for Dread Central. I'm the streaming guide girl. So if you've read a streaming guide from there Mm -hmm. these last... Mm -hmm. Maybe six months, seven months. It's probably me Um, because only one has not been written by me. It was written by a dear friend of mine because I was busy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I am also one half of A Nightmare on Fear Street, which is my first horror podcast. I had a podcast many, many moons ago with some friends, Um, but it's my first horror podcast that started in August 2020. And it's a lot of fun, and we do a lot of cool stuff, and we get to be our own bosses. And so I started another podcast with two other friends called Bloody Massacre. It's Um, so good. It brings me so much joy because, like, when we had the idea, we were like, can we really do this? If we combine all of our superpowers, could we make it work with our schedules? And we have so far, and I love that for
2: us. Oh, that's awesome. And it's
1: just it's just also really good to be like, we all have, like, the same sort of, like, experiences or close enough, and to, like, Mm -hmm. sort of talk about it and also have it be fun. Because that's where I'm kind of at, is, like, I'm here to talk about things, I'm here to be serious about things, but also I feel like most of my... Most of my personhood is grounded in having to be able to laugh at something. Yeah. So that way I can deal with it. If I can't laugh yeah. at it, I have to put it off and like schedule a time to be upset. And so yeah. like...
0: Laugh or cry is like sure. the last, I don't know how many years is kind of the motto, right? Right,
1: <laughs> right. Leap into the, the void or laugh. <laughs> you know what I'm going to pick? <laughs> Listen, I, no, because people are like fight or flight. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> laugh or cry. La- exactly. <laughs> okay.
3: right.
0: One of the things I love about Blurdy Masker too is... That you guys go into so many nerdy topics that I'm also interested in. The shameless love of comic books, things like that come up, and I'm just like, yes, these are my kind of people.
1: Nerds! <laughs> 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 no, it, it's really awesome to find two other blurbs in your friend circle, like your immediate friend circle, who are just uh-huh. like, oh, so let's talk about Batman real quick. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> And so, like, it's just—it's been very good because I mean, like, we're all out here, but like, sometimes we're just like, I'm not into that, or I'm not into that, and so, like, mm-hmm. our overlap has been like amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of us knew how much overlap we would have till we started recording, and we're like, oh, all three of us are into this. So it's like that Batman, not the Batman. Oh, damn! It's like that Spider-Man meme. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're all <Yeah>. <laughs> pointing the other one, and it's like, oh. Uh-huh.
0: Yes, I enjoyed your lightweight, spicy conversation about Jared Leto in the latest episode, and I was very. <laughs> (laughs) team charade in the conversation (laughs) you were very kind but i was like
1: yes agree i I just feel like some people we don't need them anymore and i don't Mm -hmm. i don't know how to get (laughs) hollywood to notice that other than keep saying it on random podcasts (laughs) exactly
2: oh well i love listening to both of those episodes that you've come out with so far because you guys have such great chemistry Mm -hmm. on that show like you can really tell how much fun you're having yeah. talking about all these yeah. topics. And you laugh so much. I feel like I'm sitting around with a group of friends, too. It's, it's really we We love
1: to hear that. We love to hear that. Especially because like I met Zero and Brother Ghoulish um, after I started my podcast, which is mm-hmm. definitely during this panini. So we've mm-hmm. never been in the same space at the mm-hmm. same time. These are online friendships yeah. that we're just like we really enjoy when we do get to hang out or when we are on panels. Why not do it more regularly?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's clear that it, it's crazy that it's a fairly recent friendship because it feels you can feel that kind of comfort level with each other. I agree. I concur with everything that Ariel said about part of what makes it fun is you're kind of you feel like you're hustling a little bit on a really great conversation about topics that you're interested in, which to me are the best kinds of podcasts.
1: Exactly. I, I'm always telling people when I do get to advise them on their podcast, because <laughs> that's something that happens now, <laughs> which I think is weird. <laughs> I'm like, you about my advice? But I'm always like, if you're having fun, your listeners will have fun and they'll come mm-hmm. back. If
3: mm-hmm. you're doing yeah. what you
1: think you should be doing, no one's going to want to hear that and you're not going to want to do it. So it's not.
2: <laughs> that is good advice. Yeah. Yeah. great advice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Okay, so let's let our listeners
0: know a little bit about your perspective. So we're going to be talking about *Eve's Bayou today, which I'm very excited about. But to kind of gauge your taste of what works for you, what are some horror movies that you love?
1: Ooh, oh my God. Um, so I am obsessed, obsessed with Tigers Not Afraid.
0: Oh, it's such a good movie.
3: movie. It's Is- so good.
1: Issa Lopez will never get enough respect. And I just mm-hmm. I am I am mm-hmm. the fangirl. Yeah. I am the fan club and I mm-hmm. will be taking messages. <laughs> 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 I I also really, really love a girl Walks home alone at night at midnight.
3: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm uh huh. Yeah, yeah
1: no i just we never get vampire westerns with a woman wearing a jab who likes rock music right. and so my quest is to track down those comic books because i know i can find all of them somewhere and i will someday mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um i've also been getting into horror comedies lately which is a whole identity crisis for me
0: right. <laughs> oh, right. I, I feel like i've heard you say you don't normally like them
1: Usually, I don't because it's usually written by people who are always making fun of women and black people and fat people and everybody yeah, else who's yeah, in my yeah, friends' yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I end up being like, who the hell is this and why do they hate people? Um, right. So I I blame this n- coming around on Josh Rubin, who like suckered me, would scare me, and like, oh, this is damn good. And then,
2: oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, scare me. That's, That's a an good interesting one. one. Yeah.
1: So I, I knew of it because I am an Aya Cash fan and I had it on my like thing. Mm-hmm. But that truly happened because Twitter is Twitter. And so people were like, you we have a podcast. When are you covering? Scare me. I'm like, it's on my list. I know it is, y'all. And they were using the hashtag scare me. So Josh Rubin was like, if you do do it, if whenever you are, I might say hi. And I was like, so you mean an interview? And he's like, yeah, why not? And so that's how we interviewed Josh Rubin. I oh. knew about where was within before <laughs> it was a nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is another movie I, love. Cool. I love. Oh, my that's God. great
0: movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So I don't good. know how to bother Mishnah Wolf, but I need to. <laughs> just to be like, how? How did you do this?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are all excellent selections. Yes, yes, yes. Especially, Tigers are not afraid. Oh, People God. need to put a little more respect on that one because it is so amazing.
1: I was not ready. I think I
0: avoided it for a long time because I thought it was going to be really sad. And it's definitely emotional, but just do it. It's so amazing.
2: Yeah, it's such a beautiful movie. True
1: story. I never researched the movies before we I hit play because I'd like to know oh. as little as possible.
2: Mm, uh-huh.
3: And
1: so for that episode, me and Tran on Fear Street, we had our mentor from undergrad on, Dog J, and we were going to watch it together because we hadn't seen each other in forever. And it's the pandemic. So we found a way to like stream it all on one of those like websites. I forget which mm-hmm. one it was. It mm-hmm. was a bad one. that kept dropping out. So I kept like, going back Oh, in. no. <laughs> it was not a great watch party. But, like, none of us really knew what was happening until we hit play. And so we were all just there trying not to cry while trying not to look at each other while trying to watch the movie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <No>. yeah.
0: <laughs> Oh, you could see each other? Oh, no. Yeah. Because so, like- I ugly, <laughs> ugly cried in that movie. It was not
1: good. And we got together to record the episode. It was like, yeah, I'm trying to have to cry. Same, same. <laughs> I-, I didn't want you to see me crying, but I had to cry after we got off the call.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I got to watch that again. Oh, it's so good. All right, so aside from Tigers Are Not Afraid, because we all agree, not enough respect for that movie. What are some other films or filmmakers that you think people are sleeping on that people need to be checking out immediately?
1: Oh my god. The first film that people need to check out is Tales from the Hood. It is the best Mm -hmm. anthology, Mm -hmm. fight with your mothers. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, a great one. like we don't give Rusty kind of enough credit for that one mm-hmm. uh, we just don't yeah. and right. I mean I would not be a millennial if I did not say Jordan Peele because like I mean the yeah. glow up right. oh my god Yeah. <laughs> to give yeah. us Get Out and Us <laughs> and like reboot the Twilight Zone and have mm-hmm. it be good even though critics pissed on it but it's a good time I've been rewatching mm-hmm. it it still hits <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah yeah definitely oh my god how excited are you for Nope I'm so excited.
1: Every day it's not here, I cry a little bit. I just,
2: <laughs> right? <laughs> that is fair and
1: reasonable. <laughs>
2: right. Yeah, I haven't watched any of the trailers. I've just looked at the art, and I'm like, oh my god, I have no idea what it's going to be about. But I want to see it right now. I couldn't resist. I watched the trailer, and I will tell you nothing. I will tell oh, you, you nothing. I you will go unsullied. Okay. I okay.
0: promise. But having seen the trailer, I can assure you we are about to have an amazing
1: time. It looks so good. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I'm excited. Oh uh, Yes, no. me too. Yeah. Me yeah. too. I was going to say I am also a Radio Silence fan, but it was before mm. they dropped Scream. It, I swear it was, because Ready or Not was one of my favorite movies. I think it's a better movie than Knives Out. But they so came good. at the same time, so people don't give it enough respect as well. Oh. <laughs> I yeah, love that that's movie, true.
0: absolutely. The end of that movie is so good.
2: It's, oh, it's, it's so so, so good. <laughs> <laughs> when it just starts
0: popping off, you're like, oh my god, <laughs> yes! Right? Uh,
2: yeah, yeah,
0: I needed that in my life. Uh, especially in, in the times that we've been living through. <laughs> I'm seeing the 1% turn into... Blood, but it's not hard for me to swallow. <laughs> I want more. <laughs> it was not a hardship yeah. that I had to endure. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of films that you love, you picked today's movie, Eve's Bayou, for us to discuss, which I'm very excited about. What made you decide on this one?
1: I feel like it's one a lot of people just don't watch, um, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. and now that I'm older, I understand why they don't watch it because, like, there is this there is this inherent thing that like a lot of people do where they just don't go see movies with mostly black casts which upsets the yeah. hell out of me. And it's why mm-hmm. I'm always fighting about Tales mm-hmm. from the Hood being the original Mortuary's collection. <laughs> um, yeah. We're like, huh? Yes, mm-hmm. correct.
0: That is that is accurate. Mm-hmm.
1: Right? And I'm not saying that, like, Mortuary collection doesn't have its moments, but I'm just saying you can't be like, this is the greatest sure. thing ever if you've not seen Tales from the Hood.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. the movie that teaches you that Dave Allen Greer can be
1: scary as
0: fuck. Oh, man. So, so scary. scary. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, He's terrifying. That that movie is incredible.
1: It's, listen, I, <laughs> 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 it's a journey. I watched it far too young and Clarence Williams III <laughs> did not get enough respect and credit for that performance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, back to Eve. Yes. I also chose it because I, it was the first time, I didn't even know what it was when I was watching it as a kid, but it was the first and maybe the only time I'm seeing Black people in a Southern Gothic movie.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And so I didn't understand how groundbreaking that was until we visited it, like, a few years ago. And I was like, oh, this was, like, a historical moment. And Cassie Lemons yeah. did not get enough credit for this.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very mm-hmm.
1: true.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like we don't even, even just, like, coming-of-age stories with about young Black girls are so rare. I'm trying to remember another one. It really is a special movie. And I think you're right that it is underseen and underappreciated, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I have,
1: I have friends who are critics, and they hadn't seen it until, like, me and Girl That's Scary pulled them into a clubhouse room last year. are like, this must stop. Oh, wow. <laughs> this right? must end today. <laughs> You're like, stop critiquing until you watch this. Come on in. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely one of those movies where I think a lot of the people just write it off as, like, a Black movie, um, which is also mm. a problem. <laughs> um, But you have, like, what is an all-star cast? And people... Yeah. The amount of people who don't know who Lynn Wilfield is concerns me. <laughs> yes, I'm just like,
2: yeah.
1: how do you not know her? I'm like, you haven't seen her in anything. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
0: no, that's un- yeah. I I everything you're saying is resonating for me, and <laughs> it's really frustrating. And it, yeah, it's not the whole cast is
2: just so amazing. Everybody is so good in this movie.
1: Right. Yes. And this was also the first time I saw someone who looked. Like me, um, because Jenny yeah. Smollett and I, we were about the same complexion when I was yeah. younger. Uh-huh. I mean, now that I haven't seen the sun in three years, it's different. But like, <laughs> <laughs> when I was a child, I was like, Oh my god, she's about like my shade, um, she has like my temperament. <laughs> is this is this me? <laughs> yes,
0: that's amazing. Yeah, I do, I respond very positively to angry, yes, angry and yeah. social contract breaking girls. So, I really connected with that character as well. (laughs) Right? She's fantastic, and it's crazy to
2: see her. She's like a fetus in this movie. I know. I know. Her reminds me of her whole house days.
1: Oh, those! Oh my God, those days they feel so long ago. Yes, (laughs) that's
2: (laughs) because they
0: were (laughs) old. Thanks for the reminder. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) sorry. Okay. All (laughs) right. So before we go any further, though, because I want to get into actually talking about this movie, Ariel, can you please let our listeners, our new listeners, our old listeners know what our spoiler policy is?
2: Yeah. So eventually we're going to spoil this whole movie. But first, Rachel is going to tell you about the director and the production of the movie. And then we're going to give you some non-spoiler general thoughts and a review. And then we're going to spoil the whole thing. I'm going (sighs) to tell you the plot of the movie and I'm going to hit every beat. So if that bothers you, go watch the movie and come on back. You can rent it on Amazon or watch it for free on Tubi.
0: Yep. Easily accessible. Put it in your eyeballs. You have no excuse. Okay. So first, let me tell you a little bit about Casey Lemons. So uh, I hope you're ready to fall in love with another amazing woman because... (laughs) I always am. She's incredible. Of course. Okay. All right. So Casey Lemons is an actor, screenwriter, professor, and of course, director. She had her first TV gig at age nine on a local Boston TV show, Um, but she always thought of herself more as a writer. In fact, she had already written her first novel by age 12, which is super cool. That's (laughs) crazy. Yeah, I didn't know that.
2: That's (laughs) amazing. I mean... I was playing soccer and painting my nails. I wasn't doing anything important like that. That's amazing. <laughs> I
0: don't even think I was doing anything that was <laughs> 12. I was like, I'm going to go in the backyard and dig a hole. Right. Like, right. <laughs> I was not writing a novel. So she uh, was originally born in St. Louis, Missouri. But when her parents divorced at age when she was eight, they moved to Newton, Massachusetts so that her mother could attend Harvard. And while she wow. was there, she ended up attending an acting school. It was like a acting school for children who want to become professional adults. And she studied stratsburg and adler and was like very serious Jeez. about our acting goals yes <laughs> so that was her goal initially and she started you know getting steady work fairly quickly she had parts in sounds of the lambs
2: which was mm-hmm.
3: an
0: all-time fave yes *Candyman* and vampire's kiss uh against the one and only nick cage oh um, gosh i didn't remember that that was her yep so despite the success though casey said that she wasn't satisfied. She was tired of going to auditions and she felt like she could be doing something more with herself. In an interview with Believer Magazine, she said, I was unfulfilled and I decided to make a move to do something. I really wanted to create on a meaningful level. And that was hard as an actor because the parts that I was getting at the time or that were available to me were the, the black best friend to the lead. Mm, I started to yeah. feel like I was running a fever and that there were things that I needed to express and that if I didn't, then I would it would somehow sicken me. And I was going to suffer from not expressing myself fully. Oh, wow. Which is really powerful.
2: Yeah. So she
0: began writing short stories that would eventually become the screenplay Eve's Bayou. And it would mark her directorial, her feature directorial debut, which, of course, we'll get more into in a minute. After Eve's Bayou, she went on to direct Samuel L. Jackson again in The Caveman's Valentine. Then she did Talk to Me, Black Nativity, and in 2019, she directed Harriet, right. which earned its star, Cynthia Erivo, an Academy Award nomination. Should have gotten the award, but whatever, moving yeah. forward. Next up for Casey is her Whitney Houston biopic, I Want to Dance with Somebody, and On Her Own Ground, a biopic about the trailblazing entrepreneur CJ Walker. So mm. she has some really, really cool, interesting projects
2: coming up. Awesome.
0: Right? Right. So, in addition to directing, she is also a mentor and an educator, and she's currently the associate arts professor at New York University's Tisch School of the Arts, which is
2: dope. Yeah, that's really impressive. It's such a good school. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So, a little background about the movie itself. So, it's, like I said, it started as a series of short stories. At the time, she was still thinking about becoming a novelist, and she was writing all these stories about these young kids and the legends that were the background for this place, Eve's Bayou. And she was really struggling on figuring out how to coalesce all these ideas into a novel. And then she had this kind of moment of clarity where she realized that it's because it isn't a novel. So she decided ah. to turn, she realized it was a screenplay. So she sat down and changed gears and it just came pouring out of her. And it ended up becoming a little more autobiographical than she initially attended. In an interview with Shadow and Act, uh, Casey said, I came to realize this was about me and I don't think I realized that at first. It wasn't strictly autobiographical or anything like that. However, in some ways, I was processing my childhood and fixing my own things that happened to me. Things that I was still wrestling with. It was a form of therapy, honestly. At the core of Eve, it's me and my childhood and wrestling with how powerful I was as a child, which I think certainly comes through in the character of Eve. She is such a powerful girl. That's one of the things I think that makes her so amazing.
1: Yes. Like, you don't get to see a lot of young girls with agency, Mm -hmm. let alone young white girls Mm -hmm. in the media. Yeah. I mean, and that's what's so
0: incredible about this movie, we'll get into it, is how individual each of the characters are and how much agency they have and how much we actually get to understand them is some incredible writing and i wonder if it's becomes from this thing that she was writing these short stories so each of these characters really was so fleshed out and had such personhood but yeah we'll get into that okay so her initial intention wasn't to direct the screenplay she was hoping that she might grow into the role of moselle who was maybe a little bit too old for her at the time oh okay and who she had loosed basically on her aunt So she began shopping it around and she, as she was doing it, she was getting more anxious about it and really feeling more and more like protective of it. And then she had, again, this moment of clarity where she's like, oh, no, 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 this is mine. I'm directing this. And she told her agent, stop showing this to other people. I'm directing this. And everybody was like, yep, nobody balked. They got behind her. So she kept shopping it around for over a year and everybody loved the script. They were like, it's great. It's great. It's great. But you can't have anybody. You're not going to, we're not going to make it. Pass, pass, pass. Surprise! Surprise! A yeah. woman trying to make a film was not getting funding. <laughs> so even after Sam Jackson read it and got attached, she still
2: was struggling to find financing. That's crazy because in '97 he was huge. I mean,
0: fucking Samuel Jackson, yeah, <laughs> <to> producer, <laughs> fucking icon, dude. Like, <laughs> right, what? That's what I'm saying. That's nuts.
2: <laughs>
0: so here's what's crazy: is one day out of the blue, she got a call from someone. This person in England, and they were like ten people on different. Calls and this is 1997 so you know this was shoestring and wire and shit but there was like 10 people on the call and it was this producer from trimark who was eager like we're gonna make the film we're the people you've been waiting for we're doing this the deal was they had just made all the leprechaun movies and, oh. they, were... <laughs> and they were trying to pivot to make in her words a classy film so they were on the hunt for a film that was well-written, independent film that had a star attached to it. And ta-da! Along yeah. comes the script for by Bayou. So they were like, whatever you need to do, we're going to make it happen. So they meet with her. And at the time, Keith Lemons was nine months pregnant. Oh, So shit. they are like, so how are we planning on handling this? And she's like, well, I'm going to have the baby and then I'm going to make the movie. And they're <laughs> like, okay, sense. cool, cool, cool. Awesome. Funded. So unfortunately, I couldn't find a ton about the actual filming of the movie, except for that Casey Lemon was telling these stories in an interview that I watched with her about how everything is very stylized and very stayed in the, the performance. And that was something that she had to work hard to kind of do with each of the performers. And some of them responded really well to it. Um, mm-hmm. Samuel Jackson, not so much. <laughs> he doesn't actually like being told where to be st- put like unblocked and things like that. So oh, that really? she said it took a little bit of work, <laughs> <laughs> but eventually she got exactly what she wanted. And obviously he loved it because he came to her to do Caveman's Valentine. So oh, that okay. worked out well.
1: It's one of his best performances to me. Yes. I think it's funny that it's something he didn't want to get into. And she was like, no, trust yeah. me. <laughs> it really underscores
0: his range, right? Cause it's so against type Yeah, and he freaking we- kills it.
1: Right. Because we, we've all seen Uncle Sam yell at people and we mm-hmm. will we tune in and do it again. Mm-hmm. But like it's something to see like the quiet something yeah. happening yeah. because like this is a complicated character. Yes. No matter how you look at it, no matter where you fall on the events, this is a complicated character. Yeah. And you get all of that from him. Like these characters are so fleshed out, which makes sense that she was a novelist mm-hmm. because like. I never feel like I don't have a story for everybody, even without them telling me what the story is. Oh, right. yeah.
2: You really get to know each and every character. And yeah, he's so good in this and has so much emotional range. It's it's very impressive that she was able to, one, write this script and then direct all of these people so competently when it's her first feature first film. First feature I mean, it's film. it's crazy because yeah. this thing looks amazing. It's so well me. acted and it looks beautiful. It's amazing that she did this as a first time director. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. So the film debuted at
0: TIFF in 1997, where it was met with rave reviews from critics. Chief among them was the late, great Roger Ebert, who called it one of the best films of the year, elegant, sensuous, and haunting, and wow, correct. Yeah, <laughs> accurate. <laughs> it went on to become the highest grossing independent film of 1997, and Casey won the Independent Spirit Award for Best Feet- First Feature. As well as a National Board of Review Award for Outstanding Directorial Debut. Wow. Yeah. In 2008, over 20 years after its debut, the Na- Library of Congress selected East Bayou for preservation in the National Film Registry for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Good. Of that, right? Of that honor, Casey said, there's a certain amount of appropriate excitement that you're supposed to have. I was excited beyond that. <laughs> really it means so much to me in the letter they sent to me they called the film a national treasure i burst into tears it's amazing that some little film that you gave your blood sweat and tears for 22 years ago would ever be considered a national treasure that's worthy of being preserved and being talked about with such films as my fair lady and the godfather it's really kind of incredible
2: oh that's beautiful
0: good for her Right. That's so cool. Even though we're saying like people don't give this thing enough love. Yeah. It's good to know that it has been recognized, you know, not enough, but at least it's been recognized. <laughs> yeah. OK, so that's basically all I've got, except for that. It's like you said, currently available to stream on Tubi. So if you haven't already watched it, here's your chance. Fire up the Tubi's. They're not an ad blocker and give it a go. What are you waiting for? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're reviewing films and giving life tips, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm so sick of hearing myself talk oh my in God. a non-spoilery way. <laughs> Sheree. What did you think of this movie?
1: I love it. I, I love it. I I I love a complex character. Um, I love a lead who's who thinks that they know what's going on, but don't, because again, like our lead is a child. Mm -hmm. And so she's filling it all through the lenses of a child who's like being told things and learning things as she goes. And she gets to like make those mistakes. Like when she yells at her mother and things like that, that just are like inherent to the growing up process of being like, Oh wait, is that too far? Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's messy and it's interesting and it's, I I I live for it. It feels like a novel that I never got to have as a mm-hmm. kid. <laughs>
2: yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I actually thought I hadn't seen this movie until I put it on, and then realized oh. that I've actually seen it multiple. So I'm times. the
0: only one who needs to be ashamed.
3: <laughs> right.
2: Great. <Right. Right>. So. <laughs> so my mom really loves any movie set in Louisiana. Yeah. Anything in New Orleans, Louisiana, she just loves that. And so I have seen it multiple times because of her. But I had totally forgotten about it because it had been so many years. So it was really interesting revisiting this as like a full adult now. Mm-hmm. This is of, a full adult movie. <laughs> 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 very, very. So one of the things – I know this is maybe a weird place to start. But one of the things I really love about this is it's sort of languid pacing hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like it matches so well with the setting of this movie. It has this mm-hmm. dreamy poetic quality that I just really sunk into and loved about it. Like we were already saying the acting in this movie is fantastic. Child actors oftentimes ham it the fuck up and just like ruin movies. <laughs> and these young women, especially the two daughters were so fantastic. And they yeah, they have these huge emotional beats in this movie and they just hit them so well. It's so great. And I think, you know, Sheree, I've been listening to your podcast since it started. And I remember you had an episode this last Christmas, I think. And one of the things you said about, um, shit, Rachel, what's that movie that we love so much that Christmas one where you think it's going to be like a home invasion. Better watch out. Better watch out. Thank you. You were talking about Better Watch Out, and you mentioned that when you were watching it, one of the things that occurred to you was that there's not a single Black actor in the whole movie, Mm -hmm. and that there's no reason for that. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, shit. I didn't even recognize that. I watched Mm -hmm. that movie and totally missed that piece of it. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And what this movie really shows you is that because it has an all-Black cast, you really get this full breadth of types of different characters, right? Instead of just having maybe a single Black character who's basically just an amalgamation of some really terrible tropes, you get Mm -hmm. so many diverse points of view, perspectives, types of characters because there are so many Black actors in this movie. Mm -hmm. So I think that that makes it interesting, stand on its own. And again, this movie is just so beautiful. I don't know. I just think that you're totally right that – people don't give this movie enough credit and enough time because it's so much more amazing than I expected when I went into it especially for a first-time director it blows my mind because honestly I think this should have been an academy award winner you know it's that Mm -hmm. kind of a movie 100% Mm -hmm.
0: yeah what Anna Paquin has an academy award but Journey to the (laughs) World
2: Right. I've seen the piano and I've
0: seen this one. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just
1: saying. No, 100%. Because, like, everything you just said and also, like, this came out in the 90s. Mm-hmm. We never saw a movie with black people in the South no. and there wasn't about racism. Right. And right.
0: Right, and this movie right.
1: does not shy away from that, but because it was written and directed by a black woman, she mm-hmm. made just to give you like the idea of what happens outside of this community mm-hmm. without giving it to you. Because you hear yeah. he's the best colored doctor, yeah, which is right. definitely 60s phrasing. And like they're really proud of that because that's what it is back then. Yeah. And like you see that they have their certain hangouts on the certain sides of the tracks, but we don't get into like, here's how it is when he goes over right. here and then like the cops pull up. Um, right, I- right. As a Black person, I'm just tired of it always being about how Mm -hmm. racist the people are, physically racist, when most of my, most of the days, it's just microaggression Monday, and that's insidious. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's more interesting to me, is to see how these things are working in workplaces and schools, as opposed to being, like, brutality. Um, Right, well,
2: yeah, yeah, that's so so interesting, because I know on that latest episode of Blurdy Massacre, you guys had this amazing conversation about how so many movies that have black characters in them want to focus on slavery or some kind of really intense black trauma Mm -hmm, and that you're really mm -hmm. sick of that being the only portrayal and it's like Mm -hmm. this movie why aren't there more like this it's so good and this was 1997 and we haven't gotten much since then you know
1: no it's just it it's such a good movie and i just wish that and I don't know when a good time for this to come out would have been. Because, like, we have movies mm-hmm. coming out now that people want to argue about. And I'm just like, you clearly sure. miss the point. And mm-hmm. so maybe in the future yeah. it'll be a good time for it to come out.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hopefully in my lifetime. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you guys brought this up because I was like, is that a weird thing to talk about? But I I had the same thought of there's not a single white person in this. And that is to the benefit of the film. Yes. Because there's no white person coming in and centering themselves in this narrative. There's no like a moment with the cops. And the first thing you think when you hear about something about in the South in the 60s, you're like, well, I've heard the story before. But to see a world where obviously, like you said, on the fringes, those things do exist. But this is solely the experience of this family and their friends or extended family without having to bring in unnecessary voices and lived experiences. <laughs> right. And honestly, it allows as a viewer for me to see a a a community, a world that is, I don't know, one that we just never, ever, ever see. And it was really exciting and interesting to me. And I think That's for me, I can't imagine for someone who's has a similar lived experience, how incredibly invaluable that would be if it was helpful to me, you know, so I'm really grateful for this film and for getting a chance to see it and talk about it, because I think it's not just really good. I think it's really an important.
2: movie. Yeah, absolutely. And because we get to spend so much time with these characters, too, like you were saying, Sheree, it's messy, it's complex you know, this isn't a straightforward story, and it makes it fascinating and lovely. It's so lovingly made. You know, I think that's really clear when you're watching it. Yes,
1: mm-hmm. and it's just again, as a kid, I, I I don't remember like there being wealthy black people on my TV,
2: sure. <laughs> and right.
1: I. I mean, like, we had a few sitcoms. Like, there was, like, Martin, The Living Single. And so you're getting the idea that people could be doctors or lawyers Mm -hmm. or they could Mm -hmm. own magazines, but it was not, like, the... It was not the norm. It was not the majority. It right. was all stereotypes and sadness and people are crying and people are selling drugs and living in like things that are falling apart. And mm-hmm. so to see like this, like a Southern community with affluent black people who have mm-hmm. like soap opera problems, I was like, right. <laughs> yes. Yes. I can yes. aspire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I I loved this movie. I mean, th- like I said this has been on my watch to watch list and I'm so glad that it got bumped up because I'm ashamed that I have not seen this already. It's so good and I hope people check it out because honestly, you could this movie was like practically made in a lab for me. It's it's amazing vintage costuming. It is family drama, it is witchy women, it is women behaving badly. It's coming of age girlhood story. Uh, It's all of your favorite things. It's all of my favorite things (laughs) in one movie. So I I just know that people are going to be, you know, who have not seen this are going to be delighted when they finally get a chance to check it out. It is lush. It is rich. It is full of amazing world building, which we've talked about. The performances by Baby, Journey Smollett, and Megan Good are unbelievable in this. There are a handful of moments where it's just the two of them crying, and I'm like, it's raining on my face. And normally, (laughs) children crying does not trigger tears (laughs) so much as eye rolls so like it just speaks to these incredible performances and yeah i'm i'm so incredibly attached to eve and moselle in particular yes yes what i really wish was this was not a movie but a pilot for a series Because Mm -hmm. I just want to be in Eve's Bayou forever. I want more. I want to know more about this community. I want to know more about each of these people. I want to know what's going to happen. Is Moselle's husband going to die? I I know. know. I know
2: we get a lot of Moselle and her backstory, but she is such a fascinating character that I could watch more just about her. Especially
0: if she's going to continue to wear those amazing halter, black and white halter dresses. (laughs) I screenshotted this and I was like putting it in our Discord and I was like, oh my God, this dress! You can make that dress now. (laughs) I want to put that on my body desperately. It will not look as good as it looks on Moselle, but I will try. (laughs) I will attempt to put it on my body. (laughs) but yeah it's it's a wonderful movie it's heartbreaking and sometimes a little titillating so you should absolutely seek it out is like my final non-spoilery yep
2: absolutely yeah no
1: it's the kind of movie we could have if we let more black women Mm -hmm. write and direct their movies because Mm, (laughs) she, she handles all of these conversations that a lot of people have tried to handle separately (laughs) and Mm -hmm. failed because she gets it. She understands it. Like I, I was not surprised. I should have known actually that she felt like Eve was a lot like her because there was just so much care with this character and these family Mm -hmm. dynamics and the way things are filmed or alluded to, as opposed to us like having something gratuitous which is what men are want to do when they direct these kind of things. And it's just, it felt like, it felt like I was being taken care of while I was taken on this journey. And I just, I want more of that.
0: Mm hmm. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Pilot, let's make it happen.
1: HBO. <laughs> right. <laughs> I will always co sign for more magical realism on television. <laughs> always. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So let's start heading into spoilers because I know we got to talk. And I need to talk about the end and the interpretation and also the director's cut so ariel why don't you give us the synopsis for this movie and for folks at home this is where we start doing spoilers i'm gonna spoil the
2: shit out of this in my synopsis so yes
0: (laughs) so this is me giving you time to find
2: your phone and turn it off okay we're in the spoiler zone (laughs) go for it ariel All right. So Eve's Bayou follows the Batiste family through one summer in Louisiana. There is the father, Louis, who's a well-respected doctor, his wife, Roz, and their three kids, 14-year-old Cicely, younger brother, Poe, and our main character, 10-year-old Eve, as well as Louis's sister, Aunt Moselle, who we adore. Oh, my God, Moselle. (laughs) I'm
0: obsessed.
2: So Eve adores her father, but starts becoming disillusioned when she witnesses him having sex with Maddie Moreau, a family friend. The summer becomes more fraught as Eve discovers more evidence of her father's serial infidelity and Cicely argues with her mother as she fights for more independence. Eve spends a lot of time with her Aunt Moselle who can see glimpses of the future and the past when she touches people's hands, a skill we learn later that Eve has too. Cicely becomes depressed and begins to act strangely. She finally confides in Eve that their father kissed her and attempted to molest her when he was drunk. Cicely swears Eve to secrecy, but Aunt Moselle touches her hands and sees what happened. Eve is so enraged that she pays El Zora, a local fortune teller and voodoo it's practitioner, <laughs> to put a fatal voodoo curse on her father. While she's there, she runs into Lenny, who is Maddie Moreau's husband. Eve implies to him that his wife is having an affair with her father. But then Eve has second thoughts about hurting her dad, so she rushes to a local bar to bring her father home, but finds him there with Maddie Moreau. A drunken Lenny arrives to confront Louis and ultimately shoots and kills him. Eve blames herself and thinks that the curse killed him. After her father's funeral, Eve finds a letter her father wrote to Aunt Moselle, who had confronted him with her knowledge of what he had done to Sicily. In the letter, he says that she kissed him, and because he was drunk, he reacted violently and hit her. Eve asks Cicely about it, and she says that he hurt her terribly, but that she doesn't really know what happened. Eve takes Cicely's hands so she can use her second sight to see what happened, but only gets a partial picture. The film ends with the sisters putting his letter into the lake. Mm. It's a lot.
0: (laughs) So just inter- one of the things I was watching was an interview with Casey Lemons where she was at TIFF and they were doing like a 20th anniversary and she showed the director's cut of this film. Oh,
2: okay. There
0: is a whole ass character that is cut out of the release. Cut. Oh, really? Yes. There is a mute uncle that lives with them who was a witness to whatever happened that night. And who knows the truth, but can't tell anyone because he can't speak. Oh
3: shit!
2: Right, and I couldn't
0: find out what the thing was. Oh no! (laughs) So I still don't know the truth.
2: So she never said in interviews what her interpretation was. She intended it to be left open ended. And I like
0: tried to find articles or something written by someone that was there for the showing, and all they talk about is that uncle tommy was gone and that the cast or the, sorry the crew made shirts that said uh, where's tommy that they wore because the producers <laughs> were like you gotta cut the character
2: oh okay it's
0: like a an empty wheelchair with where's tommy on the show oh my god <laughs> oh <that's> so funny <laughs> but also kind of amazing yeah. like really you're gonna cut the one disabled character yeah but yeah, it completely sort of change the context of the end where yeah. there is two versions of the truth and then the actual truth. The actual truth is removed.
2: So now the film is just about the two versions of the truth. Interesting. And it was just because the producers didn't want this character in the movie? Apparently. Hmm.
1: I would have rather oh. had him than either of the husbands that we see. With. Right? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, you're wrong.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: so now that all... Spoiler caps have been list- lifted. What are your thoughts about this movie and the things we couldn't talk about before, Sheree?
1: I so like when I was younger I hated that it, it's such an open ended ending. Mm. Um but the older I get, the more I like it because I mean mm-hmm. like it's not black and white like we were saying. There's shades of gray this was not a good man <laughs> just, yeah. no no anybody has an affair during a party at your house and then like talks your kid down and tries to them is
0: not good yeah he took the her weaponizer the way yes. he weaponizes her affection for him is wild in that opening yeah
2: bit. and the fact that he does everything so publicly it's like designed to embarrass and hurt his wife
1: you know exactly and he definitely, he definitely is also doing something with Cecily, even if it's not mm-hmm. that. Because, yeah. like, mm-hmm. he lets this go on too long. Like, if if mm-hmm. it's not that, <laughs> it's still Ookie, And he mm. he's playing into it because he needs to be, like, seen in a certain way by everybody. Right. It's part of the reason she has that thing for him is because she's yeah. like, this. Is, he respects women who are not my mother who he's sleeping with. So maybe that's how I get him to respect me. And mm-hmm. so, like, it's just, it's so much that is just wrong. And so, like, I, I'm i not sad he died, even if he didn't do it. <laughs> so right. I think that that is, that is why it's okay to be open-ended. And it becomes more about them deciding to, like, keep this secret and to own the fact that it's more complicated than either of them can deal with at this age because they're, like, 10 and 14.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and just that love they have for each other at the end, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what's the important part of it.
1: I I love Journey and Megan together because, Mm -hmm. like, Journey had a... It was more of a sibling bond with her than her own brother who played Mm -hmm. (laughs) Poe. And that that is acting. (laughs) Right? Yeah.
0: That scene where she's asking her not to go and she's saying she's her best friend. I was like, oh. If you have have an an all-complicated sibling relationship, this thing is going to stab you in the heart. (laughs) 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 In the best way. In the best way. So this is... 100% 100% a compliment I mean it 100% as a compliment but this movie is the V.C. Andrews movie that I've been dreaming of my whole life <laughs> <laughs> it's like I've always said I want someone to take those terrible books that I loved when I was like Eve's age and definitely shouldn't have been reading them Same. but take them very seriously and have them cast with like an amazing cast and have them An amazing writer come in and write them and then make it beautiful and just take it totally seriously. And I've been like, someone do it. Someone do it. Turns out someone did it in 1997 and it's amazing. I knew it would be. (laughs) But we have family intrigue with a mysterious past. We have family curses and doomed romances and then like questionable family boundaries. It's all here.
2: It's all here. Yeah, it's it's so true. I hadn't even seen that until you pointed it out. And I was like, oh, you are." totally right it's got yeah. all that stuff
0: yeah I, in the discord i was like oh this thing is VC andrews in all the best way and then yeah. we get <laughs> we get sicily side of the story i was like oh no and also the worst way
1: <laughs> <laughs> no because i i believe her in that she doesn't know what happened because yeah. again it's so complicated like whether she initiated it or whether he initiated it it it's not something you think is really going to happen even if she mm-hmm. did go down there being like this is what and, like, again, she's 14, so she doesn't know actually what sex is at that age. Right, Um yeah. And so she's like, my father's affectionate with other women, so if right. I get his affection, then I'm the woman of his life, and he'll stay home more often. And mm-hmm. I don't think she understands, even if that was her plan to get down there and maybe seduce him, I don't think she knew what it really entailed. No. And so she really doesn't know what happened. <laughs> she really right. doesn't. Right. Because, again, kid logic. And so it's... It's all on him, and I'm happy he's dead. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, he wields
0: his love, right? He manipulates and wields his love. Of course people are going to act out, especially when they don't understand the boundaries. This is a problem of his own creation.
2: Right. It's really He's, he's manipulating up, and gaslighting but... everyone around him. And the way he <sighs> treats Sicily is in a kind of sexual way. The way he dances with her and holds mm-hmm. her and talks to her is not the way you normally would with your daughter. And so I think mm-hmm. he's constantly kind of pushing that boundary. And so the fact that maybe she kind of fell into that a little bit is still on him. Well, he's know? shown that's how he values women. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And Eve has called that out so many times in this movie because she's like, you never yeah. did with me. And he's like, I do. Right. She's like, not in front of people. And he's like, oh, shit. And she's yep. like, you let grandma threaten to beat me, but not Sicily. Mm-hmm. And so... I think that he, like a lot of men, doesn't know how to treat women. And mm-hmm. so he's like, well, this is my favorite because Poe is the mother's favorite <laughs> and the middle right. child is Eve. So some middle child symptoms on top of everything else. Yeah. But yeah, what? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so he's like, she's my favorite, but how do I talk to women I'm not sleeping with? I don't know. And right. so he definitely sent some signals that she was like, he treats Miss Moreau that way. He treats all of his patients that way. So clearly, I this is fine if this is what makes my father like women, and this is what makes me the apple of his eye. And I again, it's his own fault, like to borrow from a different Samuel L. Jackson movie. <laughs> yes, he deserved to die, and I kind of hope good character. <laughs> <laughs> what?
0: Amazing. Yeah, I was thinking about. There's one. It's very subtle, but and I think this comes from having a woman director. And it's something we talked about actually in our American Psycho episode. Uh Is that I think you have to I don't know if you have to, but you're more likely to have this a particular perspective on this particular type of man if you are a woman and you experience men from the other side. Mm -hmm. And that's the line in the letter where she's talking about or he's talking about like to a particular type of woman, I am a hero and I need and I need that. Like the sort of
2: the vulnerability and the like patheticness mm-hmm. of yeah. it right admitting that his ego requires that yeah it has it's, to be seen that way
0: it's such a brutal burn but mm-hmm. like yeah. honestly i needed to hear that after i've seen him basically swashbuckling through town and through all the ladies <laughs> right. to be like but here's the core of that this is the kernel of that kind of behavior that it's actually about insecurity and ego was i think a really subtle great touch in writing
1: I, yeah. I love the letter because it definitely gives you how this monster got made a little bit mm-hmm. because and again it gives you so much without like it being the typical this is a black community and let's see all of this other stuff because he alludes to the fact that he knows he's pushing aspirins to old people yeah <laughs> um, he doesn't yes. do real medicine <laughs> and he's talking about how he just needs to like feel a certain way and. For some reason, probably shitty parenting, as most people often are suspect of, um, Mm -hmm. he's grown up thinking that like the way to actually have like some sort of meaning or to be seen is to be surrounded by women and to be a womanizer Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. that's how you get respect as a black man because nobody else respects you. And yeah. so, mm. why he definitely deserves to die. I love that we bring that piece into it because, again, I like it when it's complicated. And so, yeah. I like it for him to not just be like, "Well, yeah, I'm doing this shit." I like it to be more like, "I am a broken man <laughs> from a yes. broken system,
2: uh-huh. um, and I have made uh-huh.
1: some. I've made some mistakes."
0: Right. Right. That's such great context. Yes. Yeah.
2: And I love how much of this too is about the fallibility of memory and that when you Mm. start watching the movie, you think you're in a movie where you're watching from sort of an omniscient perspective, right? And you're getting all the facts and then you start to realize that really what you're seeing is the perspective of a 10-year-old girl, her 14-year-old sister – And Moselle's kind of flashbacks, mostly. That's where you're getting the facts of what happened. And so it sort of shows you that that truth can kind of be like quicksand under your feet, you know? Mm. I just think it's so interesting because there's so much complexity there. And it explores it so well in this movie so that you really come away understanding that, like, we know a lot of what happened, but not precisely what happens. And I think that's really interesting to leave that up in the air.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I like that you brought that up because one of the things I, I really paid attention to this time, which is mm-hmm. one of those obvious things you just never notice until you notice. Is that, like, Miss um, Moreau and <laughs> her father's sex scene is stylized mm-hmm. like the violence of the shooting and the train. Oh, um, right. Yeah. yeah. And like, I've seen the movie so many times, but I didn't register until I was like, I got to ask smart things to say for this podcast. I'm like,
0: oh, <laughs> little did you know. <laughs> but you're right. It's like 12 year old gays.
1: Yeah. And of course, it would be fragmented because it's something that like yeah. shook her world. Right. Which is, huh? which is why it's the same way for Sicily because it's like, I don't know what happened. It's fragmented because it shook my world, whatever it was.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's oh my interesting. god, that is
0: fantastic. I did not put that together.
2: Yeah, I mean, Casey Lemons is such an amazing director. So much of this movie is filmed so well. I love how those sort of flashback scenes are done in such, like, quick takes, and it's black and white. It, it's mm-hmm. so beautiful. One of the other scenes that I really love is when Aunt Moselle is telling Eve about yes. what happened to her husband, yes. and how yes. she's telling the story, Eve is listening, and we're seeing what's happening beyond her. It's it's so beautifully shot, and you get to experience what she witnessed, but also all of her emotions as she's telling the story. It's such smart filmmaking and screenwriting. I was mm-hmm. really impressed by that scene.
1: I love it so much, and it's yeah. when I was like, "This would work so well on stage because it's such a theatrical moment." Oh mm-hmm. yes, and I yes. want to adapt mm-hmm. it, but nobody will let me. <laughs>
2: oh, <be fine. laughs> maybe one day. Right. That would be Go amazing. fund me.
1: Let's make it happen.
0: <laughs> Can you write us a sequel? Because I need more of this world, please. Right, right. It's by you too. The by you winning. I don't know. That didn't work.
3: We'll workshop <laughs> it. We'll workshop
1: you. it. It's <laughs> by you, and it tells a story from her angle, and it'll be great. It'll be good. Yeah, yes, perfect. Yes, there
0: you go. <laughs> yeah, I do love the way that they kind of use the visual language that we're so familiar with with haunting of the the people behind her in the mirror when she looks yes. up. But it's actually it's sort of. You know, it's like an emotional haunting that we're seeing depicted on screen. It's really powerful and really cool. Yeah. And also more Moselle is more. So (laughs) I was (laughs) loving that. The other thing that I thought about watching this movie is thank God for feminism, because the way that, you know, the patriarchy is very alive and well in this film and the way that these women kind of out of necessity kind of live their lives around this man uh, ugh, it's, yeah. it's rough stuff man rough uh, stuff
1: it's <laughs> so like as i got older and i realized some of what was and was not the 60s it made more mm-hmm. sense why ross stayed because i'm just mm-hmm. like so like ross clearly comes from money and she married this man who was to take care of her because he's a doctor and they still have some money but i feel like it's less than she's used to yeah, yeah. and so yeah. she was raised to be a wife, um, as yeah. most women were back then, because like mm-hmm. you have no agency, your property, you can't have a bank account until the eighties, and yep. so, and so yeah. I think that's one of the things I love about when Diane Carroll's Elzora, also mm-hmm. Diane Carroll looking like that cracked out was a very
3: <laughs> so, <laughs> so great. Like
1: she was always so elegant and so regal. And so I just thought that she was like, let's get dirty. Put a wig on me. Let's go. Um, yeah. But, You'd think she was going to be Roz if you
0: saw the cat's list, but... Right?
1: I was like, clearly Diane is going to be like, oh, she's that woman. Right. Um, huh? <laughs> but she tells her in three years, you'll be happy. And it's because she will have finally stopped the complicated grieving, not grieving, of her husband. Yep. Um, and her and her daughter will have like mended those fences because like, it's hard to be a mother to someone who's like you for your husband. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's just, it was a weird time for everybody. And so I feel like in three years, she'll be like, okay, here's how we do this. Here's how I manage a household. I'm going right. to be my own person now. And now that I've had three years to figure out how.
2: Yeah. It's interesting how point. this
0: movie
1: plays with, I mean, I think
0: we're so accustomed to the grief part being depicted, but there are a couple of deaths in this movie that are shown as almost escape hatches from things, whether it's <laughs> yeah. You know, her husband dying, or that kid getting hit by a bus, and everybody's cheering. (laughs) Yeah, it was. I mean, is that a real human moment that we never see? Kind of is. Yeah, absolutely. If you're that that,
2: worried that something's going to happen to your Mm -hmm. children, and then it doesn't, even if that's at the expense of someone else, I can imagine celebrating that. Yeah, I think that's really human.
1: Mm -hmm. I think it's akin to, like, when a surgery can happen. Like, somebody has to die for a heart transplant or something. And I think it's akin to that, where it's like, oh, my God, my person gets the thing, but also somebody lost their life, but I don't know what to do other than cheer that my person gets a
0: shot. Right. And it it speaks to, like, what you were saying about the messiness and the gray areas in this, that I just don't think you ever see that depicted, but I do think it speaks to a real truth. It's one of the ways that this movie is so special. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I just love that she was not afraid to write people in like these weird, vulnerable spaces yes. where there is no right, there is no wrong. <laughs> um, I, I want more of that because I think that we have mm-hmm. a lot of people who like to write likable characters. Yeah, right. And I hate that because I don't, yeah. I want, I don't want a likable character. I want a character that's interesting. And sometimes the mm-hmm. most interesting thing is to do the thing that is not likable. Oh, yeah, 100%. Totally. And I, I
2: think it's like we love having complicated characters where, you know, they don't always do what's right and things are, are messy like that. And I think in the end, you come away loving them because of that. Yeah. Like, I don't always need them to be likable and charming for me mm-hmm. to love the character, you know?
1: Exactly. And also, it, again, goes back to, like, story. Because, like, these are their choices. These are the cards they're dealt. And Mm -hmm. so, like, of course they're going to cheer. Of course Eve is going to, like, go stir-crazy in this house and start causing trouble and snapping at her mother because her older sister snaps at her all the time. Nothing happens to her. And (laughs) she's also just tired because she's a kid who's, like, growing up real fast this summer. And she has all these secrets and, like, nobody to tell them to because, again, she's, like, 10. So nobody's listening to her. They're treated like a child, even though they're giving her all of their problems. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: (laughs) And so, like, you just, you feel that from her and you feel that tension. The tension is so palpable in this movie. Like, Mm
3: -hmm. Lynn
1: Whitfield has probably the least scenes of anybody because it's a very, like, woman-led movie. I feel like her and the grandmother have the least amount of scenes, which is weird because she's the mother.
2: (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. But you you know so much about her because, again, yeah. I know she comes from money and I know that she expected this man to care of her and she's like really defeated. And she's feeling lost, doesn't know where to go because she doesn't she was never taught how to be a, her own person because you weren't taught that back then as a woman. You mm-hmm. were taught to cook, clean and take care of children.
2: Right. Yeah. And I think you can tell that her position in the community is really important to her, too. And the fact that her husband keeps cheating so in in public so much where it's so visible is also part of what's hurting her so badly because mm-hmm. she's losing some of that status that she has not that she's status obsessed but just that it's important for it her pride to, in it yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. exactly mm-hmm.
1: she was yeah. raised to believe that your home life is uh, your value
2: yeah and mm-hmm. he is messing up her
1: value and right. she has to do with it because it, that's
2: exactly it yeah
1: she, she can't leave like to steal from little fires everywhere there's a scene mm-hmm. where Kerry Washington turns to Reese Witherspoon's character it's been years I don't know character names anymore and, and then she's just like, no, you—you're judging me for my choices and talking about your choices. But the thing is, you didn't make good choices. You had good choices. I—I yeah. I do not have good choices.
2: What? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Because what is she supposed to do here? You know. Yeah. There is no good out for her, and you know, El was right, right? You, Look to your children. You don't children. see this They're one gonna... coming
0: up. You don't, there's a way out. You just yeah. don't know what it is yet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. Right. But yeah, I, I think it comes back again. And I know we've talked about this a little bit, but each and every one of these characters, with I guess with the exception of El I feel like we understand not just who they are in an archetype kind of way, but they have agency and you can understand their desires as people which is when people are talking about writing good characters, it's sometimes hard to kind of understand what that means or to explain what that means. And I think watching how these characters are portrayed is a perfect example if you wanted to show someone. Like, do you see how each of these people are totally individual, that they present in totally different ways? And without huge exposition dumps, you know exactly what drives them and yeah. what they want. It's just really incredible writing.
2: Yeah, and I have to think that you're right that it comes from her writing all of these short stories to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, if like each of these characters was a main character in these short stories, she would have such an intimate understanding of who they are as people. Mm-hmm. So then writing this script and directing these actors must have been a little easier because she would already done all that groundwork to make these characters so fully realized.
1: like I I love when people who write novels can like adapt it for the screen because Uh it's just the characters are much richer than like most of us can do because like I'm not sitting there (laughs) building like 500 page novels on a person And (laughs) (laughs)
3: it's
1: just there's something about it and I you can almost feel it when it's done well you can almost feel it when you're like ooh you used to do novels and now you do films thank you Mm
2: -hmm. yeah Yeah. You know, one of the other things that you had mentioned earlier that you really like about this movie is the magical realism in it. And I think that is one of the stronger parts of this movie, too. And I think what's interesting is that a lot of Southern Gothic movies and stories have that sort of Southern... Spirituality, they they touch on voodoo, but a lot of times it's treated kind of like a mm, sideshow. Do you know what mm-hmm, I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm thinking of the movie Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. I know that was based on a yeah. book, but again, I was saying my mom loves all of those movies, and so you know, before the Kevin Spacey of it all, I've probably seen that movie like five or six <laughs> times because she used to watch it a lot. <laughs> And and there are actually a lot of really interesting and good things about that movie that were sort of ahead of its time. But it does kind of fall into that trap of making the voodoo character kind of a sideshow act, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think here in this movie, it's much more respected and revered. Even when they visit Elzora and... Aunt Moselle doesn't want to talk to her, you know, and kind of mm-hmm. looks down on her a little bit and does, just does not want to be a part of it. It's not like an insulting thing. There's just yeah. this sort of reverence for that type of spirituality that is missing in a lot of southern gothic films.
1: I love that scene. I love that scene so yeah. much because so you're like, good. um, Moselle, what's up? And Moselle is definitely like she puts her tent up here. And she puts on this makeup and plays this act when she could just do the work. And so like Mm. I don't I don't know if she's real or not. And then she like hears what she says to Ross. She's like, Oh, she knows things.
2: So (laughs) she goes Mm -hmm. to her
1: and that's why she's so mad because it's the truth and she knew it all along. And this woman who she has a history with apparently has also (laughs) told her
3: yeah. <laughs> that moment yeah. when
0: Moselle when she's disappointed that Moselle isn't the person that Eve is coming for. It's <laughs> pretty She's like, oh, is it Moselle? Oh okay. <laughs> <That's
3: great. laughs>
0: it's just I mean, and I think it goes to also the how we've talked about how well written the characters are, but the kind of unnamed, or I guess named character is Eve's Bayou itself. And that yeah. feels just as richly kind of rendered. And, and I think it's also these little moments of rivalry between the two sort of voodoo practitioners in town. Those are subtle little world-building things that in a lesser film would not necessarily exist. Yeah. But you really do feel the presence of the setting of this movie, which I always really love.
2: Yeah, even that market that they're walking through where mm. El Zora has her little stand, you know. It, she's so cool. <laughs> she's <is> so cool. <laughs> she's a cool man. Yeah.
0: have any other thoughts i know i don't want to keep you too long even though i could happily talk to you all night because like i said i'm trying to make you my real life friend Um, (laughs) (laughs) did you guys have any maybe criticisms or things that didn't work for you about this movie i'm gonna get out front and say i didn't really have any criticisms for it but i I want (laughs) to open up the floor for people who are not you know maybe a little more particular
1: like, my criticisms are meaningless because I'm just like, some of the wig yeah. technology is not great, <laughs> but also it's the 90s, fair. and it's such a, fair. Small, fair. It's such <laughs> a small complaint in a great movie to be like, mm, the wig was cricket that one time. Right.
0: <laughs> the lace <laughs> front technology was not quite to be the level we're at. Right?
1: Now. Yeah. And, and to be fair, Samuel Jackson is usually bald, so there's not a whole lot to, like, work with. <laughs> um, but he loves a hairpiece, and so they gave him one, and it, it, was, it was definitely a character-building hairpiece. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm glad someone else said it because usually I'm wig topped.
0: So. She's always wig
2: top. I never notice these things, and she always points them out. And she doctor. did not
0: know that the main girl in the craft was wearing a wig churay. <laughs> no, Robin, t- t- <laughs> okay.
1: So
0: I. Thanks, Rachel. <laughs> I'm Tunney getting
1: sh- you back for having seen this movie before. <laughs> Robin Tunney shaved her head for Empire Records, which was another uh-huh. movie I loved as a kid. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then went to do the craft like <laughs> the next week. <laughs> and they were like, I just, oh.
2: <laughs> I just didn't know. And I swear I can look at her and it just looks like normal hair. And so I feel like I have some sort of bizarre blind spot that I just can't remove. But you know what? Good for you. You because if you see it, it's distracting. <laughs> <laughs> the I movie can't, magic
1: is real for you. <laughs> I can never unsee it. Like ginger's <laughs> yes, right, is right. really for me because Bridget's hair is never right. It's never <sighs> right. And <laughs> they keep putting wind at her, and I'm just like, stop putting wind at her. Like that's not a wig that's gonna stay forever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like Barbie hair. It's like all sticking. No, no, right. no. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for saying it. It needed to be said. Oh man! So I will say this is not a criticism. This is, but I would say I want to make clear for people who maybe decided to stick with the spoilers or whatever that this is a a horror movie in sort of the gothic tradition, the Southern Gothic tradition, rather than spooky dookie kind of horror film, right? So that's not a criticism. It's just a caveat because I want to set you up for success to have the best experience with this movie and have an experience like we had with it. That's my. That's the only thing I have in my cons.
2: Yeah, I mean, I know I'm usually the one with a long list of cons, but...
0: <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to say it.
2: <laughs> but I actually don't really have any with this. I I just, I really, really love this movie. The one niggling thing I will say is Samuel L. Jackson is amazing in this movie. His emotional ups and downs are fantastic. I think his acting is superb here, but he does seem to be trying to do an accent at some points and not at others. And so that's my yeah, one criticism. And it's so tiny that it doesn't really matter.
0: Now that you're saying it, that
2: is, a, I mean, it didn't bother me, but no. it's not
0: untrue. <laughs> yeah.
2: But again, his performance is so great that I feel yes. like it's forgivable. You know what I mean? It, this isn't a, a real con.
1: If you just <laughs> tell yourself sometimes he's drunk, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. There you go. There you go. A he's a character. He's a madman
2: type <laughs> yeah. character.
1: He's always got a whiskey somewhere. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> perfect i love it <laughs> you're just making me think of what, that scene where she finds him in the the carriage house and you watch oh, him like man. his masterful manipulation and turning on that super watt smile and just turning the whole thing on its head and hugging oh it's oh it's so oh, good but it's, it's so, good. so good and <gasps> then when she tells
2: when she tells Sicily, and you can see that cicely believes her but you know, needs to change the narrative to protect Eve and to protect her father.
0: Protect her father. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. it
2: it's just so sad, you know. And I think, so I mean, that's amazing sad. that child actors were able to do that, where you're seeing both her understanding that it's true and also trying to lie to say that it isn't, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's impressive.
1: So I watched this movie again, like almost four times these last two days. Um, <laughs> okay, and one of the
2: times,
1: and one of those times, I wondered if when she tells Cicely, if that's when Sicily makes the switch in her head—that like if her father's running around with women, oh, and she thinks they're tacky, then she should become the woman of the house because she says yeah. her mother's this beautiful woman, and he would never. But then she's different from there on out, and You're I. Right. Mm-hmm. So that might have been like her, that might have been her motivation to step it up and to get the right. haircut and become her mama. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really hard. That's a hard one to
2: swallow right yeah. there. Ooh. <laughs> But it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think
1: in her own twisted kid logic way, she was like, I can keep my father in the home if I am. (laughs) And so she's saving her family. And I think that's another reason she's like taking those tones with her mother and just sort of being like kind of a bitch because she's just Mm. like, if you won't do what's necessary to keep him, then I will. And it's like, you don't understand what you're saying
2: (laughs) on so many levels. Oh, that's so hard because she's so young. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It also kind of goes back to what Keith Lemons was saying about how she didn't understand her power as a child. And in with that perspective, it's another ripple effect on, and under, underestimating her power as a child that Eve is doing. You know what I mean? That the outcome of this thing she says becomes, it sort of tumbles into the series of events that, that that's sort of like the start of yeah. it. Oh my God. Ah, it's so intense. This movie's <laughs> right? so good. It really <laughs> That's is. my I put that on the next cover when they re-release it. Ah, this is so good. That's my cover text. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: no, but yeah, no, there's there's so much to unpack. I could almost go line by line to unpack different meanings of possible stuff. So yeah. like this could definitely be a longer episode if I don't stop talking <laughs> soon. We'll come back, uh, part two. <laughs> but, but just the breakfast scene alone where she's like, Nothing happens mm. behind your back, mother. I'm just like, tell me Ooh. tell me more specifically. <laughs> Are you talking about the affairs or you and your father? Because it could go either way right now.
2: Oh, damn. Yeah. yeah God.
1: Yeah, this. OK, so I
0: also have this running thing and this movie breaks it is that I want ambiguous endings to stop. I need it in 2022. <laughs> I need you to write an ending to your movie, please. My God, I can't take any more ambiguous endings. <laughs> Exception, Eve's by you, because I think that thematically yes. is this is the only ending it could have.
2: And it really does have an ending. Mm-hmm. You know, those characters come together put that letter in the lake and move forward. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there really is an ending. It's not, you know, one of those movies where you just don't know what anything really means anymore at the end. Mm -hmm.
1: I feel like part of the reason it's open is because like Eve is sort of like shadowing Moselle's character and Mm -hmm. they even have like the same sort of kind of, I don't want to say magic, but the same sort of sixth sense and, Like she predicted that Moselle's husband was going to die before he did. Um, (laughs) And they share that hand situation. And so I think that part of the reason it's open is because Moselle's always going, Did I do that? Which I mean, for the first husband, she did instigate that. But she's haunted by these three men and she's haunted by the other men that she keeps uh, just killing because she loves them. And I think that Eve's father is the first man that is going to haunt her, (laughs) unfortunately, um, because she loves him in. Whatever he thinks about her, whether she's the second favorite or the third favorite, like he's going to be with her. And he's probably yeah. going to be with Sicily a little bit, too, because like whatever happened, they know that shit went down. And so like <laughs> you're never going to forget that. That's your trauma. You are now. Generational trauma. Here yeah. we go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So her character doesn't get an ending. So we don't get an ending. And I'm I'm OK with that for her.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think yeah, it definitely. I think it works in this case. This is how you do an ambiguous ending when it is thematically resonant and and emotionally cathartic in a weird sort of counter way.
2: Yeah. 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 And I think that you you definitely know that this is something that has stuck with her her whole life because really the movie opens with adult Eve narrating saying that this happened the summer when she was 10 years old and she killed her father. I'm no. sorry, I'm
0: just my mind is still blown by the fact that this whole movie is like 12-year-old gays. <laughs> you blew my mind. Right?
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I I live for that quote because I was like, that's how you open a movie with yes. literally verbatim. The summer I killed my father, I was 10. And I was like, you can only go everywhere I want you to go from there. So <laughs> it's right. <amazing>. right.
0: <laughs> oh yes, best VC Andrews ever. Okay.
1: Awesome. <laughs> So like I
0: said, I know it's getting late for you. So any other final thoughts before we wrap up our review of this amazing
1: movie? I just want everyone to see this movie at least once because yeah. again, it did not get enough respect and we don't give Miss mm-hmm. Lemons enough respect because mm-hmm. like, this is definitely, this is definitely a movie that should have gotten Oscars and it should have gotten awards. And instead, like we see it on Tubi every once in a while. And that's all we <laughs> know about it now. Yeah, But it does so much that we still don't get to see happen in Hollywood or in media at all. And that's, that's sad that, like, this movie came out in the 90s and this is kind of like where Southern Gothic for Black People ended. It started mm-hmm. and ended with <laughs> this movie, yeah, as far as I'm so aware
0: we need We needed a, a journey to come back and do <laughs> Lovecraft Country for us to at least go anywhere near this subject again. Yeah, which was a completely <laughs> different
1: beast. And that's yes. a whole yes. other episode. Oh, my God, that journey. For yeah. journey. <laughs> <laughs> journey for journey, journey
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah it's crazy especially because of the way that it does is kind of sliding through the cracks a little bit when i went and looked and it was the top grossing film uh indie film that year it's in the library of congress it's it won all these awards like indie spirit awards and but so i guess it begs the question so why isn't it more lauded and i think mm-hmm. we know
2: mm-hmm. trying mm-hmm. to so do a I'm little not.
0: bit of self-reflection around that that's all i'm saying yeah <laughs> Yep, yep, I think you're absolutely sadly right. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, and but it just—that's
0: we're gonna change it. We're gonna let
1: people know. <laughs> One podcast at a time. Exactly. Taking tours, <laughs> exactly. talking about this and <laughs> Chelsea in the hood until everybody sees everything.
0: <laughs> Listen, there are worse life goals. Okay, let's <laughs> make
3: it happen. <laughs>
0: awesome. Okay, great. So, highly recommend everybody check it out. Okay, so that is pretty much us for today. If you want to drop us a line, maybe we missed something really important, or you just want to sing the praises of this film. If you're writing me to critici- criticize it, please do not. You can do so at <laughs> rachel at zombiegirls.com. Not interested in criticism, thank you. Or you can come chat with us over on the Facebook page, or you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ZG Podcast, Plural. If you're looking for something spooky tonight and you don't know what to watch, and you've already watched You by You and Tales from uh, the Hood, then you should definitely come check out our video on demand and streaming page uh, where we keep track of all the spooky doings that are happening on all the millions of streaming services and video on demand. And if uh, you want to support us because you love us, you can do so by joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash zombie girls and get all those sweet, sweet perks. And while you're on the internet doing all of these various things, there's one other very important thing you need to do. And that is to head over to a nightmare on fair street, followed by Blurdy massacre and hit that subscribe button. You will not be sorry. So let's do one last plug because in, say somehow, I don't know how because this is not live, they missed the beginning and they do not know of the magic of your many, many projects. <laughs> Where can they find you on the internet, Sharae?
1: The best place to keep track of me and all my shenanigans is on Twitter. Um, I am at Miss Sharae. That's M-I-S-S-S-H-A-R-A-I. And you can find links to... The three podcasts, because like I do a Nightmare on Fear Street, which is me and my co-host, and we're almost two years old now. Um, and I have Bloody Massacre with me and two of my dear friends I made on the internet during a pandemic, um, and we are almost two weeks old now. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> two and two, two and two.
1: And I'm also one of the eight rotating hosts on the Alter Tapes, which is yes. an Anatomy of a Scream. Yes. And it's exciting to speed date all my friends who make podcasts. Um, every couple of <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> um, and we talk about shorts on altar because shorts don't get enough love. That's where a lot of the yeah. women and people of color are directing and writing because Hollywood mm-hmm. will put them in the doors. So definitely give them attention if you can, even if you don't listen to our show, watch the shorts. And you can catch me <laughs> on Dread Central's page most days. Um, I actually have to write a couple of streaming guides tonight or tomorrow.
0: <laughs> oh, can we get a sneak peek of the topics? This won't be out for a few days.
1: Oh, awesome. Then. Yeah. Um, The one I need to like put together tonight are, is movies that made me say what the fuck. Because ooh, like, ooh. there's been a lot. Like, shutters yeah. come through lately. And I'm like, I don't know how to talk about this movie. So streaming guide? Yeah,
3: nice.
1: I think. Oh, what the fuck is that's
0: kind of like the epicenter of the Venn diagram of things I like in movies. So I will (laughs) definitely be reading that article. I
1: I, I love a movie that's like I don't know how to get you with the plot I want. So chaos. Like (laughs) that's a mood. I respect that. I'm a Gemini. Always go chaos if nothing else.
0: (laughs) Amazing. Awesome. Well, this has been just as fun as I hoped it would be. It's been so much fun getting your take and getting to know you better. We are such, such big fans of everything that you're doing. And I cannot wait to see all the amazing things that you're going to be doing because...
2: You we are prolific. <laughs> you are
0: busy. You are booked and blessed, and we are happy to see it.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my God. Like, I'm going to come to this podcast more often, just like I have stuff esteem Right? If like, <laughs> yeah, you're you having a bad day, back. you
0: need a little serotonin, you let us know. We'll have you right back on anytime. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you. This has been awesome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> on that note, Ariel, why don't you go ahead and take us out? Yeah, so before I do that, I just want to let everybody know if you are going to, oh, if you're playing along. <laughs> <Like laughs> i tired. Like know 6 a.m. What...
0: I was writing about Disney being freaking homophobic at 6 a.m. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Can I tell you, I bought my Disneyland tickets this week and then all this shit popped off. And uh, I was like, God damn it.
1: <laughs> I have always hated Disney. And so, like, it's been sort of oh, healing the to see people go, oh, they are awful. I'm like, ha, yes.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, that's hard. (laughs) I mean, I'm
0: happy for you, but I'm very sad for me and my wallet. (laughs) (laughs) Because you cannot refund those tickets. Are you
1: serious? In that pandemic, they don't have a refund policy?
0: Mm -mm. nope they truly are evil (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) okay sorry errol all right what are we gonna be doing
2: on the next episode so for the next episode we are going to be watching master directed by yes
0: i cannot wait
2: (laughs) so this movie will be streaming starting march 18th so, you guys will be able to watch it before our next episode. And it is about three women who are striving to find their place at a prestigious New England university that may disguise something sinister. So, and it stars Regina Hall also. So, we when think it's good I be tell really you, We're I can't wait for it. this. I, I know. Cannot wait. We've been looking forward to this for like a year. So
0: they opened the online screenings for this and my partner heard me yell from the other room. <laughs> <laughs> I was like,
1: RSVP! <laughs> I saw it at Sundance um, because a friend could oh, so slipped me their ticket and I was like, thank you. Um, and then I got to like, actually today, the day of this recording, I was on a call with um, <laughs> the director, writer, Regina, and Zoe, who's one of the other Amazing. leads. And That's I... So cool. I did not know what to do with my face or my emotions. Oh, I bet. (laughs) I need people to see this movie so we can talk about it because there's just a lot to talk about.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know you don't want to spoil anything for us, but are we too excited? Are we appropriately excited about this? Are we about to have our hearts broken
1: by this? I I feel like it is it is a movie about a conversation we need to be having. Okay, Uh, I
0: like that. I like that.
1: And I'm happy to just have that conversation. Like I'm just I want the conversation to be had because it's something Mm -hmm. I there's no way to talk about about ruining anything. Like literally, like I'm. No, but
3: that's no way to
1: know that. But it's a conversation that should have been happening. Um, it's a conversation Mm -hmm. that is very dear to me. Like I I straight up told that like I felt like they read my diary and oh, so wow. I, I don't know what to do Which with that other than feel my feels Um, but I'm excited to have people experience it too
0: awesome uh, I'm super excited I loved Harewolf so much oh my god it was yes. so good and I'm, I haven't seen it yet but her another one of her short films is playing at South By that I'm like super super looking forward to White Devil oh I can't wait I, I love just,
1: her I'm so here for her I'm so here for her
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> You know how it is when you get so excited? I want you to tell me to stay this excited. I'm hoping you're going to like, yes, yes, it's this good. You're going to love it. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, I'm like, I like a movie where it's, you know, it's uh, confronting. So yeah. I'm excited about that.
1: I, I feel like Mariyama is definitely giving us what we need in this moment. Um and I I am excited for the conversations I'm going to end up seeing on Twitter and Facebook oh. and the people I'm gonna end up fighting. And I'm oh. pre exhausted
2: for you to be honest. Yeah, but that sounds really interesting.
0: Yeah, you just let me know if somebody gets crazy, we'll go slash their tires. We, we always got our switchblades ready. We will be the we will be the West Coast branch of the tire slashing army. You just let us know, we are on it. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody in like you know the Pacific uh, Standard Time region, we got you between Ariel
3: and I. <laughs> uh,
2: all right, now this time, Ariel, because. You have done the thing. (laughs) 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 All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the More Deadly podcast. Thank you so much to Sheree for joining us. This was an awesome episode. I am so excited that people are going to be watching this movie and you know contacting us, letting us know what you think about it. I'm really excited. If you are a patron, stick around for our extended episode where I curated a group of short films directed by women for Rachel and I to watch and talk about. And other than that, we'll be back in two weeks with our review of Master. Bye, yes. everybody. Bye, everybody.
0: Thanks, everybody, for listening and to my co-host and good friend Ariel for always teaching me something new. Production on this episode was done by yours truly and edited by Ariel. Our theme song for the show is More Deadly by DJ Shark. Hello everyone and welcome to the extended episode. I am so excited about today's extended episode. I think it's going to be really fun and interesting. Plus I am still riding that sweet, sweet high of hanging out with our new friend, Sheree. I've just claimed her as a friend. I don't know if she actually (laughs) wants it, but I don't know. That's just, I'm sorry. I don't make rules.
2: That's just how it works. (laughs) It was a fun episode. What about you? What'd yeah, you think? I had a great time. It, I mean, it's such a good movie and it's so interesting. And I loved all the things that she said about it. I Her insights were really valuable,
0: I think. And were, I don't know. I, I was fascinated. I wanted to know going into it what she thought of it because it was a movie that she selected. And I knew the things that really resp- I responded to
2: and thought yeah. were really interesting. Yeah. So
0: having her input, I think, was really fascinating. And like I loved it.
2: Yeah, and it was really great to hear what she said about Journey Smollett, that seeing her mm. as a kid, you know, who, somebody who looked like her was really important to her when she was growing up, so. Yeah. 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 Oh, my God, and Journey Smollett is so adorable and so amazing oh, in the movie. Oh, she's so cute.
0: She is one of those people, you know, there's some actors that when they cry, you just like reflexively yes. have to cry. That was fully my experience She that cries movie. with like
2: her whole body, her entire face. It's not just yeah. tears running down her cheeks, you know? yeah she looks like she's in agony it's like emotional (laughs) like emotional agony you know (laughs) yeah it was a
0: really great great and special movie i think yeah i hope hope people who listen to this episode who have like who like me the sole person who had not seen it before um (laughs) finally like take it off their to watch and like get it go
2: get it going yeah you got to get it going it's totally worth your time
0: yes 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 all right so we have changed gears a little bit what are we doing on this extended episode ariel this is a you programmed one and so i'm just along for the ride
2: (laughs) so i decided since it's women in horror month that Mm -hmm. we would do a little more with women directors so i picked out a few women directed short films after jazz and cat got us watching those short films i was I realized just how many there are out there and there are a Mm -hmm. lot of them that are directed by women. So I sort of went on a hunt and watched like a ton of them and (laughs) and picked out a few that I really liked. So yeah, we're going to talk about those today.
0: Very cool. Very cool. I love these little short film festivals
2: that we're doing. Yeah, me too. And there are so many out there. We really could do a lot more of this too. In the okay. future. Yeah. Okay. Although, so one fine. of the things I noticed is that a lot of the women directed ones are way longer than the ones directed by men. There are a lot that are over 20 minutes really yeah we got a
0: lot to say okay (laughs) and we haven't had as much opportunity to do it so when we get our chance we got to get it all out there (laughs) okay so before we get into these really quickly though ariel can you give me a list of what these movies that we're going to be covering are and who directed them Um, so that people can find them wherever they need to find them if they want to watch these before listening to us talk about them.
2: Yeah, so the first one we're going to be talking about is Night Bus by Henrietta and Jessica Ashworth. Then it's Lady Hunters by Angela Atwood. Then Monster by Jennifer Kent. And lastly, Suicide by Sunlight by Nikki Yatu Jusu. And are these available, like, on YouTube,
0: Vimeo? So,
2: yeah, they're all either available on YouTube or Vimeo. So Night Bus, Lady Hunters, and Suicide by Sunlight are all on YouTube and Monster is on Vimeo.
0: Awesome. Awesome. All
2: right, let's get into these. All right, so the first one that I picked out is called Night Bus, and it's directed by Henrietta and Jessica Ashworth. Hmm. And most of the other – like the writer, the producer, and most of the other positions were all filled by women too, which is really cool. So are Henrietta and Jessica sisters or I wives? believe so, but it's sometimes hard to find information about these um, directors that are making short films because they gotcha. haven't, you know, had as many opportunities to be interviewed or things like that. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so this one is about a woman who turns – is just turning 30 and she's a night bus driver and she which means she does like the night shift on this bus and it's you know in the middle of the night in london and the bus is completely empty but then someone dings for the bus to stop and when yeah. she looks back there's nobody in the bus yeah yeah my
0: first th- thought watching this was oh my god susan wacola <laughs> yeah. i love her
2: so I know, she's much. so funny